0: Welcome to You Need to See This.
1: You Need to Hear This.
0: You Need to Touch This. No,
1: do we? No, I'm sorry. I don't know. Do people need to touch stuff
0: right now? I don't know. No, you you shouldn't touch it. I'm so sorry. This is You Need to See This. (laughs) It's a film podcast about filling in the gaps of our collective cinematic experience. I'm Luce Tomlin Brenner, and I'm joined by my co-host.
1: Cozy Orlin on a screen.
0: Uh, Yes, we are joined by our screens and by our hearts. Uh, (laughs) 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 Cozy and I are comedians, writers, filmmakers, and people who are deeply grieving the death of filmmaker Lynn Shelton. Each week, we pick a film at least one of us has seen and at least one of us has never seen. We then try to convince each other and you, dear listener, that it is worth your time. We'll cover everything from lesser-known art house indies to how'd you miss this blockbusters? We're not snobs here. We do it all. And we do it all with no spoilers. So you can listen to this if you haven't seen the movie. In fact, we insist that you listen to this if you haven't seen the movie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We insist that you listen to this in general.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) I've insisted to so many people.
0: That's kind of a big part of our lives right now. Um, we could change the name to, we insist that you see Oh, this. that's
1: very, very fun. I like that. It feels very period. It feels very period piece.
0: Yeah. We insist you need to see this.
1: We demand upon our honor that you view this.
0: <laughs> oh I like that too. <laughs> uh, if you have any other, hit us up with your ideas for how to make our title sound more dignified. <laughs>
1: Is there like a is there like a the favorite sort of um, uh, filter for things? Maybe online, we can just type in text and get out the, the British version.
0: Yes, the Yorgos Lanthimos uh, British <laughs> version. So it's it's British, but it's also like very dark and disturbing. <laughs> oh
1: God, you you need to run! <laughs> oh God, you need to run from this. So terrifying.
0: Uh, you Need to Run from This would be a very fun, like, we could change it to that title during Halloween.
1: Halloween, yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. Which we're I now halfway
0: to, so happy halfway to Halloween, Cozy.
1: Oh, happy half a mm. No, that sounded bad.
0: That's kind of cute, <laughs> No, I liked it. Uh, okay,
1: before, <laughs> thank goodness.
0: <laughs> so before we uh, jump into our film today, we're going to do um, a little segment we like to call, Did You Watch It? And in Cozy's case yes he watched it cozy what did yeah. you watch that uh, was recommended on a previous episode
1: uh well yesterday i watched a movie that we recommended a fuck long time ago <laughs> and by we i mean everybody but me recommended to me a fuck of a long time ago that's okay it's um, never too late yeah more fun because of it i watched tucker versus uh, and dale versus evil <gasps> yesterday
0: oh my gosh <laughs> so fun that was from our second episode
1: yeah, I dug deep in the archives. I
0: love that. <laughs> no, terrific. What did you think?
1: I liked it. I thought it was super fun yes. and funny. Good. Yeah, it was great.
0: I was hoping um, you would think that. I That movie makes me laugh start to finish.
1: Yeah, it was great to see a movie that like starts like a normal horror movie, but then pretty quickly like focuses on the creepy locals. Yes, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it felt like it turned the genre on its ear in like a subtle way and then just throws you in. So you're like, oh, that was cool. All right, we're in it now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Where you're like, oh, the locals aren't actually that creepy. They're just they're normal in their world.
1: Yeah, and they they feel pretty normal in general, honestly. It humanized the creepy hillbilly in the woods movie stereotype in a way that most people who don't live in those situations need.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I love that the, that the, some of the teenagers or the college students are really the evil ones.
1: Yeah, that was such a fun flip. Um, and I, I really felt like the main characters were perfect emotional centers for the movie. Mm-hmm. And like... It felt like without them, a movie that's kind of built around misunderstandings wouldn't be as easy for me to swallow, but they grounded it so well emotionally that I was like, okay, I'm into it.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. It wasn't just like Amelia Bedelia, like misunderstandings. Uh, Yeah.
1: Those are harder and harder to swallow the older I get. That's what I've noticed. That
0: makes sense. Amelia Bedelia is meant for like (laughs) (laughs) seven-year-olds.
1: It's true. And like, even like sitcoms where it's just built around a misunderstanding, Uh, I was uh, looking at a Facebook thread, how they talked about uh, on Korean dramas, there are these things like that, where uh, it's sort of built around not, uh, not the lack of clarity. And And I was like, Oh, God, watching that would kill me. Yeah,
0: because it goes back to miscommunications. And I I often feel like a conversation could solve all of this. And I get frustrated by everyone's like, uh, in inability to just simplify by being like, Hey, did you mean this?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Using like the lack of one clear sentence as a plot device is such a bummer feeling.
0: No, definitely. And I, I think that there are really funny. I think misunderstandings are really funny when utilized well. Uh, Oh yeah. And that is what I like about this film. The two guys are so sweet and they're such good (laughs) friends. Like I love their friendship and how much they like empathize and try to like build each other up. Like I think it's like a really nice portrayal of, of men also. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and it was nice to see them feel so honest and also I was like really nervous for them the whole time. Yes. <laughs> it was they did a really great job uh with like making tension happen. And I was just like, "Oh no, I hope they're okay." They're very nice.
0: <laughs> yes, tension is so important in a horror comedy, and I think some of the worst ones forget that it's not just like creepy atmosphere with jokes and parody. It's in order to have a real horror comedy, you have to also be nervous you have there has to be like a scary tension-filled element to it
1: that's a great call if you diffuse your tension then you're losing so much even from a comedy perspective totally
0: yes exactly that's why they work so well together because they both hinge on the building of tension and the release
1: oh yeah and i liked i liked Alan tudyk because i love him all the time he's the best forever he's Um, really
0: so good in everything he's like the unsung hero
1: He is, but the other guy was great. Was that Tyler Labine?
0: Yes, Labine, I think. I know he's not someone I'm that familiar with. Yeah, I'd
1: heard of him a lot from just like weird TV shows like Sons of of Tucson, right? Which is from my hometown. Is that a comedy? Uh, I
0: actually don't know it.
1: It was on Fox for like a half a second and it was a comedy. It was like a family comedy, I think. Um, And I had heard of him from that and a couple like Reaper or whatever. And I was like, I don't know who this dude is, but he seems like the type of, Com- comedic actor who would be cast in a bunch of stuff like a jack black type or whatever well, yeah. but i like him now he was great in this one
0: yeah he was so sweet he uh oh i guess he was in rise of the planet of the apes um oh, okay. oh and he's in that uh, medical drama that's been on for a couple years uh new amsterdam Looks like he plays like I've
1: never heard of that.
0: There is a really big billboard for it next to the Virgil for like an entire year. Uh
1: oh yeah. <laughs> which was
0: okay. my main reason that I knew about it. I like, perform at the like oh. Virgil a lot, but
1: <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Other than that. Was oh, was that, that billboard that used to say New York? Yes. That's a terrible, terrible joke. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of work to get there very very they might be giants i'm sorry to everybody
0: um you know what <laughs> if you made a date in constantinople she'll be waiting in this
1: <laughs> there we go <laughs>
0: um i'm so happy you love tucker and max versus evil
1: tucker tucker and max versus evil would be a very different what movie did I say? <laughs> Tucker and Max versus Evil. That's
0: amazing. Oh no, Tucker Max! What did I do, you guys? I hope
1: they serve beer in uh, in horror movies.
0: <laughs> uh, I am so horrified that I just dropped the name of the most cursed person, <laughs> that was so funny. and I could not figure out what I did wrong. You called it out, and I was like, "What? I just said the name of the movie." <laughs> That's fair. That'll. I'm. Happen. I'm literally looking at the poster oh. right now. My. My brain is doing its own thing. Well, my brain and my That's mouth are just like go. they're just doing different <laughs> things. Uh,
1: That's okay. They have their own lives.
0: <laughs> they do. It's very rude of me to call them here today <laughs> for this thing. Uh, uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I'm so happy you liked it. I yeah, hope that bringing it up again will encourage people to watch it if they haven't watched it yet.
1: Me too. I officially think that you all need to see it. Yes.
0: Hooray. Well, that's uh, Nick's not with us anymore, but that was being Nick's uh, pick. So Nick, Lousset, and Cozy insist that you see Tucker and Dale versus Evil. And that was on Netflix? Uh,
1: yes, that was on Netflix. That was one of the few that I could find on Netflix out of all of the ones that had been recommended that were like kind of weird, weirder ones. And like, stranger and funnier ones mm-hmm. so i was like oh i have netflix now like a human so i can watch
0: this. hooray well that's great news because the film that we're talking about today is also on netflix so mm-hmm. if i convince you uh you'll be easily be able to watch it Exciting. Uh, so today we're discussing uh lynn shelton's 2018 film outside in and cozy you need to see this
1: I've never seen it. Have you heard, I've never even heard that name. have never
0: even heard of it. Okay, well...
1: Um, I've heard of Inside Out.
0: It's different. It's called Outside In.
1: <laughs> I've heard of Up.
0: <laughs> this is not a Pixar movie. <laughs> this is a uh, uh, beautiful, minimalist <laughs> drama. Uh, and I'm going to tell you more about it right now. So um, it was directed by Lynn Shelton, who passed away unexpectedly last Friday. May 15th, uh, she was one of my all-time favorite directors, and it was really hard for me to decide what film to talk about. And I ultimately picked this one because I think that it's her most accomplished film out of a resume of perfect films.
1: <laughs> That's great. Uh... Uh,
0: and I, I, so I had a really hard time all week deciding which one I was gonna do until finally in the <laughs> gripping hours of this morning, I was like, you have to pick one. <laughs> so we're going with outside in which is not animated uh it is written
1: is it is it uh, real quick i'm so sorry to interrupt i feel bad um is it uh is it that kevin klein movie where he is a teacher and he is outed as being gay in and out in and out, thank you. I always get that confused with Inside Out and now this movie. Nope,
0: that's totally fine. I liked that movie when it came out and I was a child. I'm guessing now it's probably extremely dated and very much of like that moment in the 90s. That was like, we're sort of okay with gay people, but also it's crazy and a little gross.
1: Yeah, I'm worried to to rewatch that one.
0: Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it needs to be a rewatch, um, and we probably don't need to talk about it ever again.
1: Cool. <laughs> oh, but Kevin Klein is great.
0: I love Kevin Klein. Uh,
1: I think that's how I found it.
0: <laughs> that I think I was just watching any movie that was PG thirteen at that time because I was like, <laughs> I think that came out when I was like eleven or twelve, and I wasn't allowed to watch rated R movies, so I just cycled through oh. every single PG thirteen movie that came out
1: that's my to anyway, try to be yes. an adult
0: um <laughs> so nice. yes today's film outside and was directed by lynn shelton it was written by lynn shelton and jay duplass of the production company the duplass brothers which if you're into oh, yeah, yeah indie film at all uh i'm sure you've seen a film by the duplass brothers uh they're known oh, for uh their first film puffy chair then Baghead, Cyrus, Jeff, Who Lives at Home, which is my personal favorite of theirs, and uh, mm-hmm. the Dodeca pen, pentathlon, pen, pentathlon. You know, I've never said it out loud before, and I regret trying to is say it, it a, now.
1: Is it about a race uh,
0: of some you sort? Know,
1: or multiple races?
0: I would think so. That one I didn't see. It came out in 2012. I saw the other ones. Uh, it's about Ooh. two brothers in their mid thirties whose lifelong rivalry compels them to secretly complete an athletic competition that they came up with in high school but left unfinished.
1: Okay, so in that case it would be Dodeca Pentathlon.
0: Dodeca Pentathlon. Okay, cool. Nice. Thank you. I've
1: seen uh, yeah, no problem. I've seen Cyrus and I really, really loved Blue Jay, which hopefully we're gonna talk about in the future. Well episode. that's
0: interesting because Blue Jay came up because they think did they produce Blue Jay?
1: I don't know how they're... I know that one of them's in it as a main character, and I don't remember okay. who, what other aspects I of it they're in. I think
0: it's... I want to say it's uh, Mark Duplass, who is like the, more, the one you see a little bit more in general. Um, that sounds Jay right. Jay hasn't done that much acting. However, he is also the lead character in this movie. Um, oh, cool. And he also starred in uh, the Amazon comedy drama Transparent, Uh, and so it was from transparent, his acting in that, that Lynn saw and was like, oh my God, I knew you were like this incredible writer director. I had no idea that you were an actor and, uh, was working on this, like with him in mind. And then she sent him the script and then they kind of went back and forth over a year and he ended up kind of, he was giving her notes on it and then he like took a pass at it and they ended up eventually writing the script together. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so they built like a really nice creative uh, relationship while putting this film together. And so the two of them wrote it. And then it is also, so it's starring Jay Duplass. And then it's also starring Edie Falco, who, you know, we all know and love from The Sopranos. And I personally love her in Nurse Jackie's, one of my favorite TV shows.
1: I'm not sure I've seen her in anything. Oh, my-
0: goodness uh i mean she's done (laughs) she's been working since like the 80s but uh, she's like most known for you know those television shows um but yeah i mean she's in a bunch of films i'm sure you've seen her in something but um i've
1: heard the name so many times
0: i highly recommend nurse jackie it's a really interesting uh tv show about a nurse who has a pill addiction Who's like also a really good nurse, but is struggling with being an addict at the same time and like nobody knows.
1: Jeez. That's tough. Yeah. I remember seeing the uh, the posters for that a lot, but I don't, but I never was it's not my style of show. You know, it's very procedural and I was like, ah, I'm okay to skip It's actually it. It.
0: it's like not as much about medical drama as much. It's really like what I like about it is she's an anti-hero in it similar to like don draper or walter white and we don't see a lot of tv shows with women who are like making bad choices and pulling everyone down around them
1: <laughs> Ooh, that's a good yeah novel. it's, like, yeah, very it's pr- definitely
0: like a a very intense dramedy because there's like it's very funny but it's also like very dark so Ooh. i think you could get into it but it's kind of a lot it's several seasons it was like on for six or seven years so oh wow
1: yeah you know what this is fun i'm looking at all the films she's ever made and i have not seen a single one
0: of them Oh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you recognize her face though right
1: uh, i recognize her name and i recognize her face from the posters but like wow, she's had a long career of the type of movies that I've just never seen? Well,
0: you gotta treat yourself to some Edie Falco, because she is um, a standalone actress. She, I think she does something that really no one else does. She she has like an element of realism about her that just I can't think of that many actresses who they're not just being actresses for a lot of the time. Like, you know, Charlize Theron is like an amazing actress. I love her and everything, but like She's also like a stone cold fox and like brings that right. to like every role, even when it's
1: hard to escape it. Yeah, sure.
0: yeah. So, like, um, and which is what's I think makes Edie so great in this film because Lynn Shelton is known for her uh, naturalism and uh, mm-hmm. her kind of like quiet character studies, and so cool. she's like really terrific in that role. Uh, and then it's also starring the amazing Caitlin Dever, who you probably know from Booksmart. You saw Booksmart.
1: Oh, wait. Which who is she in that?
0: She's the one who's not um, Jonah's. Jonah. What? Jonah Hill is that his name? Little sister. Ah, uh, so she's like the best friend who's the lesbian.
1: Right. She's not uh, the one who's Beanie Feldstein. Yes. Right. Feldstein. That's her
0: name. Yeah. yeah that's. Jonah Hill's little sister, right? Is his name Jonah Hill? I'm really I don't know. That sounds mildly familiar to me. As myself a now. Uh, yeah, Jonah Hill. Uh super bad. Nice.
1: Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. I didn't yeah, I didn't know the other one had done anything. I mean, oh, I hadn't looked into the background of the Caitlin other one. Caitlin
0: Dever, she's amazing. She's in one of my other favorite shows of all time, Justified. Um, and oh. then uh, films that people would know her from Bad Teacher, The Spectacular Now, Short, Short Term 12, Detroit. Ooh, I heard that's good. Short Term 12 is incredible. It's uh, kind of a toughie emotionally, but it's very, very good. Uh, Brie Larson is also in that one. Uh, and then Beautiful Boy, but then, yeah, Booksmart is really, I feel like, probably what people have seen her the most in. And then this film's also starring Ben Schwartz, who, you know, what? we know from the improv comedy scene you all probably know fra- as um uh john rafio in parks and recreation and um most recently the voice of sonic the hedgehog
1: oh my god you're gonna have to do a lot of work to convince me away from seeing a movie with ben schwartz in it because <laughs> i fucking love Ben well, schwartz. uh he is on one of my favorite improv teams ever hot Sauce. yes
0: hot sauce is a really incredible improv team um what's interesting (laughs) about this is it's one of the few dramatic roles that he's ever played. I think he, I think maybe like the movie, this is where I leave you. That was a little more of a dramedy um, where he definitely got to be funny in it. And he, he definitely is comedic in his way in this movie, but he kind of did a shitty thing uh, that he has to atone for. So if you like Ben Schwartz a lot, I think you'd appreciate his range. In this film mm. nice. so that's the truly bang up cast of just no drags like everybody is absolutely perfect um, uh, before I get into the synopsis I just want to talk a little bit about uh, Lynn Shelton who uh, passed away last Friday uh, unexpectedly of a un- previously undiagnosed blood disease which is very what is that? That's so scary. Uh, she died at 54.
1: Um,
0: I love Lynn Shelton. She's been a really big inspiration to me my whole adult life. Uh, she made her first feature film when she was 39, which is the kind of story I feel like we don't hear very much and is what has kind of kept me going through my early mid-30s is feeling like, oh, great, I still have time. Like Just because I haven't made a feature film yet doesn't mean... I should quit. Um, it's really right. interesting because um, Lynn had always wanted to be a director, but she was worried that being in her mid-30s meant that it was too late for her. But she saw Claire Denis, a famous French director, speak at a film forum in Seattle. who And Denis revealed that she hadn't directed her first feature until she was 40. And like that inspired Lynn to start. And... I've spoken to so many other female filmmakers in their thirties this week about how much uh, Lynn's presence meant to them. And I think it's like really amazing that she was able to pass that down from you know, what she got from Claire Denis, who was one of her film directors, yeah. you know, cause we just hear so much. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm just so sick to death of like 30 under 30 You're like, check out what this amazing artist at 19 was able to do. <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Agreed. A hundred percent. We definitely need people to um to help us kind of feel a little bit more inspired to start whenever we start and that it's less about time and more about. Yes,
0: our- absolutely. That yeah. and, and, it, and like more power to anybody who knows exactly what they're doing and has the money and the visibility at a young age, that's a lucky position to be in. But I don't think that represents the majority of creators, Uh, And it's really Mm. hard to get bogged down because the older you get, the more life you have to endure. And the more life you endure, the less, the harder it is to stay creative and stay focused and feel, you start to feel like maybe it feels like whimsy and um, frivolous. And
1: Mm. I don't,
0: I just, you know, I think it's worth it to just keep going.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's I, you know, honestly, success is so much less important than what you do with art and just creating and finding ways to clarify your voice and really like hone it in and focus Mm -hmm. in on it because everything else is just money and anxiety and stress and fear. And all of that shit is not, uh, it's just, yes,
0: I totally agree. You put that perfectly. Um, yes, you're welcome. And so her first film, we go way back, um, came out in, uh, I think two thousand and two thousand 2004, 2005, or no, I'm sorry. She was writing it in 2004, 2005. And it really, it premiered at the Slamdance Film Festival in 2006. So she, mm-hmm. her first feature in 2006 and then, you know, now her last feature sort of trust came out last year. So 13 years of filmmaking. Um, and she made, she made so it was We Go Way Back, My Effortless Brilliance, uh, Your Sister's Sister, Hump Day, Touchy Feely, Laggies, Outside In, sort of Trust. Like, that's an incredible amount of work that she crammed into like 13 years, you know?
1: That's so Plus, much. Plus,
0: she directed several episodes of uh television, including The New Girl, The Good Place, Glow. Mad Men, and most recently this year, um, the miniseries Little Fires Everywhere, which we talked about on last week's episode with Monica. Mm, right. So, and yeah, she really did an outrageous amount. Um, and it's so impressive to me, and she's always been so, like, anytime she had a film coming out, or she was in an interview, or she was on a podcast, like I was just constantly hunting down more stuff from Lynn because I just felt like I was Like if I could just, just, I don't know. I don't know if you feel this way. Anybody, when you are inspired by somebody, it almost feels like you need to sit in front of them like a fire, you know, when you're cold and it's like, what, if I could just get some of their heat to like warm me up and like show me the way, you know?
1: Yeah. That's so, so, so important. The longer you do things, the less you have that spark on some level, at least for a lot of people. And, nothing makes me feel more rejuvenated and rein- uh, reinvigorated than seeing something mm. like that. Uh, something that inspires me and makes me excited. To yeah, do definitely.
0: Um, and all of her our- yeah. it's always like, oh, no, please. Sorry.
1: Yeah, it's always like, oh, it's like less about the inspiration. A lot of times feels less about the subject of art and more about the creators creating mm. good arts.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely. And something I love so much about her was that she always wanted to make exactly what she wanted to make. Um, actually Mm. I have a quote about that, but I real quick, I wanted to, cause all of her films, except for this one are comedies. And I really went back and forth on whether or not it was a good idea to choose the one non-comedy. And I'm only doing that because I do think that as good as all of her comedies are, this one really is like the pinnacle of all of her work. Um, Ooh, So, but she has this approach to doing comedy um, that I think you'll find really interesting. It says, she said, when we're on set, it's really essential that none of us, not the actors or myself, think that we're in a comedy. Because that's when I find, especially with improvisation, you start reaching for jokes. You start sort of soft-shoeing, trying to entertain people, (laughs) and I don't want that. I just want us to always be playing to the truth of the scene, and I really have no idea how many laughs there are going to be. We just have to play it straight uh, and then see what happens.
1: Yeah, I like that a lot. That's great. I feel like a lot of people don't understand the difference between... Well, what that makes me think of a lot is uh, improv versus stand up Mm, on some mm -hmm. level, which is so typically me to even bring up. But (laughs) um, like in stand up, you're saying funny, but in improv, you're being funny or doing funny Mm. a little bit more. You're kind of existing in a situation that is showing, not telling. So you don't have to. Yeah. So your lines don't have to be like hard comedy laugh lines. Instead, they just have to be real. And what's happening around you is so funny because you're existing inside of it. It sounds more Yes, like yeah,
0: definitely. And um, you'll appreciate a lot of her films uh, utilize improv. She came up, um, you know, with the Duplass brothers and, um, you know, was kind of a pioneer of the low-budget indie filmmaking movement that became known as mumblecore. But I always thought that mumblecore was such a derisive term. Um, yeah, it's productive. Absolutely. And it makes it sound like it's not important in that, like, somehow the 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 early aughts or like the the two thousand two thousands indie filmmaking it wasn't as important as like what happened in the nineties or like what John Cassavetes was doing just because oh, people God. were talking in a naturalistic way I I loved I mean I was obsessed with those films in college because I loved hearing people have a conversation an emotional conversation. And I never felt like I ever saw that, mm-hmm. where people were really just talking about how they felt instead of, like we were talking about earlier, misunderstandings that are shoehorned in and could be fixed with a line of dialogue.
1: Uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I feel like I missed out on on a lot of that movement, but I remember hearing about it pretty often. And I'm sure I saw more sort of movies in that uh, genre or movement than I think I saw. Yeah. And they sound very appealing. I'm sure.
0: I think you would, you know, once you do a little bit of a dive into it, Google Mumblecore, I'm sure you would like a lot of those films. And again, the Duplass Brothers were a part of that as well. So the films that I mentioned mm-hmm. when I was talking about Jay all kind of fit into that as well as, um, well, I could go on forever about that. But yes, we'll, we'll put a link to Mumblecore <laughs> in the show notes, which are always, uh, always uh, linked up for people who want to learn more about what we're talking about. Um, but I did want to say she, when we were talking about, um, you know, making what you want to make and like creating what you, you want to create, she, she had offers to direct Black Widow, the like Marvel super superhero movie, but she never, yeah, yeah, she never took any of these big budget movies. Um, she said, I self-generate all of my work. I never went around asking permission to make it the main reason women make inroads in independent film is that no one has to say, I pick you. I'm not pounding on anyone's door. I'm just making my own way. You can buy a camera for $1,500. It's insane how easy it is to make a movie. You can make mistakes. You can throw it under the rug. Then you can keep going. You don't have to be dependent on other people allowing you to make it. Um, So she said people would keep sending her scripts and she, she kept being like, this is lovely, but no, thank you. (laughs)
1: I love it yeah no yeah and
0: she she said um she said they're all beautifully written but it's so so rare that there's any kind of overlap with me or an infinity an affinity for another writer's voice I wouldn't want to make a film that I'd be afraid to put my name on and I just love that she wants to say and do it with her work she wanted to like say and do exactly what she wanted and I I feel like we're told a lot that like you have to just say yes all the time and like any opportunity, take it. And I really just, there's a time and place for that advice, but the older I get, the more I feel like that advice is really damaging to young creatives because it really puts you on someone else's tram line, you know, it like puts you (laughs) on someone else's tram and all of a sudden you're following someone else's vision without the opportunity to really hone your own voice. And while you shouldn't be a dick, about an opportunity when you need a job and sometimes you do just need to work. It is a balance between what is it that you need to say and do and like how can you also make money and, and do that art that you want to do while not totally succumbing to someone else's vision.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of the times it's about uh, sort of saying yes to things that don't um, feel like they matter as much. And uh, God, what's a good way to say that? Um. yeah it's, for me it's about saying yes to more uh, minor roles in major mm. things so they don't feel like they're your creative mm-hmm. stamp maybe that's helpful yeah yeah level. definitely but uh yeah that is a tough one yeah really I spent is.
0: a lot of time directing shorts and sketches and small things for other people and more often than not I was like, great, this is going to help me build my directing reel. More often than not, it would get lost somewhere. Like Somebody would decided not to finish editing it or like something got fucked up with Ugh. the sound and, or like uh, somebody, that. it like got taken down from YouTube or like somebody said they'd email it to me and they never did. And there's just all of, there's this trail of like things I tried to work on with other people. And because I didn't quite have my, my. I didn't quite know what to ask for because I was learning still, and I didn't quite know how to say, this is what I want from this, and this is the timeline, or where to take my power, what boundaries to have with people. I think I spent a lot of time just trying to be like, well, it's someone else's project. I just want to like get a little bit of credit for this. And it was I will say, I think I, I learned from it, but I also do think it's time wasted, and I wish I would have trusted more in myself because all that time and all that money could have been put into my own projects, you know?
1: Yeah. We're all, we're all looking for uh, a type of external validation to do things Mm -hmm. on our own. And instead giving ourselves permission always seems like the foregone conclusion Mm -hmm. to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's (laughs) It's very hard. hard. Um, and it's, it helps to hear that you can do that and be successful, especially from, uh, a woman who it just seems like women are constantly told that like, here's how you follow. Here's, you have to do it this way. You'll never get a chance otherwise. Um, So that's a little bit about Lynn. She also was born in Oberlin, Ohio, which is right next to uh, my hometown, Elyria, Ohio. And she went to college in Oberlin. And I love the idea that she's like 14, 15 years older than me. So I don't think she would have been at college when I was hanging out in Oberlin ever. But I love the idea that like we were within miles of each other at some (laughs) point in our lives. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Um, So I love Lynn Shelton very much. I'm feeling very sad um, about her passing. I'm having a really hard time with it. So if anyone else feels that way and wants to talk about her impact on their lives, please reach out to me. I would love to. But so thank you for allowing me that extra time to talk about her a little bit up top.
1: Of course, I I have like a little bit of a of a sort of re, not response to it, but I have my sort of side side is also terrible. I have here's my a side
0: of the story. Yeah, here's how I so terrible. feel. <laughs> oh, that's
1: so gross. No, please, that's so awful. Here's my rebuttal, yeah, rebuttal of <laughs> feelings.
0: Yes, no, oh, please, I would love to the... hear what you have to say. Cool. Um.
1: Uh, so I, I actually, the first time I heard about her was, uh, was Mark mm. Maron related, uh, which is crazy. Cause she had done so, 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 so much that I never heard about. I, I had heard of Laggies and no other movies from her. And I was like, Oh, I should see that. And I never Laggies did, is on course.
0: Netflix right now. Um, yeah. Forget. Yeah, Another
1: movie i should see definitely yeah i i was like oh that sounds i get it confused with beginners oh. all the time because they have similar beginners names is
0: an, on some an amazing movie have you seen it oh.
1: i love beginners oh, that yeah it. that's the okay. one i did see and i'm always like which one did i see but yeah i'd only heard about her because i was like oh she's uh, directing uh mark maron's uh, comedy specials mm-hmm. okay cool that's cool and um, I I know her. My family knows her oh, uncle wow. very well, and yeah, the, my dad and my mom are both like very good friends with her uncle and her other uncle. And I was asking my mom a little bit about mm-hmm. that recently because I was like, how exactly do we know everybody? You know, because I think family friends you sort of don't. as you grow up, you still don't really understand like, how the you connection. Like, how your yeah, like why do you
0: like, like these people? <laughs> completely.
1: Yeah, you're like, what do they do for a living? Who are they? Where do they live? Why do who? How do they? They were just like adults looming in our lives yeah. as we were children, <laughs> and I have so many of those where I'm just like, I know your face. That's all I got. But um, yeah, I, I we went to their Thanksgiving a couple years a, a couple years ago, and that's when uh, when he was like, Yeah, my niece just oh, you're into comedy, cozy. My niece just directed some Mark Marin things, and I was like, Oh, that's so cool. Wow. Nice. That's so uh, cool. And then I, I'd, yeah. And then I started hearing her name more and more on on uh, on WTF, and I was like, oh, this it sounds really cool. And I still hadn't seen, I hadn't seen Glow. I'd never seen any of the shows that she directed. Any of those, sh- I've never seen anything she's done. But I did listen to the Marin podcast about her, and it was so emotional yes. and great. And I was so happy to hear that. Um, yeah, my mom said that she went to uh, a wedding. Uh, where the, the whole family was there, and she saw Lynn, and was just and was just like she's so beautiful. There's no way I could ever talk to her. And I was like, oh, that's she's such a like sweet story. unbelievably
0: beautiful. She has like this giant mouth, which I still believe the main <laughs> way you're successful in Hollywood is if you have a giant mouth. Um, <laughs> picks up most of her face. I'm telling you, you start watching, look at famous people on television, and note the giant mouth. It takes up their half of their faces. That's so quiet. Um, you'll notice it now I promise you uh but yeah she's such a (laughs) her face is just beaming in every picture and every interview she just looks like she's so filled with life it's uh yeah and every everybody who loved her if you look up like what people are saying about her and remembering her that's how they describe her that she was you know brought a lot of light light into people's lives um
1: Wow. Yeah. Hearing the, hearing the, uh, the Marin interview oh, and getting to know her that was w- really cool. and also just, hearing oh God, his, yeah, hearing is like, preamble highly recommend.
0: Um, I mean, I'm a, a really big Mark Marin fan and I, I really loved their relationship. Uh, I love how far Mark Marin has come mm. on his podcast. He's somebody who I feel is very dedicated to personal growth at uh, one of the yeah, few like straight Absolutely. white men that I mildly trust, <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, he is he's a very, very, honest very straightforward person. about
0: the things that he's done wrong and about, and I really feel like he's dedicated to getting better. And he, that's so great. His, I loved his interview with Lynn Shelton when it originally aired. And then on Monday. So mm-hmm. if you're, I know a lot of women, uh, especially who are not Mark Maron fans, but if you don't listen to his sure. podcast, um, totally understandable. You don't need to in general, but I mm-hmm. would demand that you listen to uh, last Monday's (laughs) episode so a week ago um, his preamble is just him talking about how much Lynn meant to him and it's one of the most uh, it's like slightly heart-wrenching but also like it was I was like getting ready for work and I like putting makeup on and then also crying and I'm like oh no this doesn't work together (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I had to, I had to stop listening to it Uh, uh while I, I had to stop listening to it uh, because I was like, oh, this is a crying one. Okay. Let me put this for like when I'm cooking. Yeah. Or on <laughs> when or I'm we'll alone.
0: <laughs> I know. Uh, I came into the bathroom and he was like, oh no. He like knew right away. And he's like, you cannot listen to this right now. It's <laughs> just like me and Mark Marin just crying in my bathroom at like 9 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> uh. yeah Yeah, of course it's just I think it's so rare to hear men cry and to hear men be vulnerable and I really and to hear famous people talk about what somebody means to them just because we don't often Mm. get to see people grieve that on our own family members and sometimes that grieving can be off-putting they might want to even you know guard themselves if it's a parent or somebody older so you don't see them grieving or there's a lot of Maybe unnecessary mm-hmm. religious stuff that you don't need and doesn't help you. And to really just hear somebody I mm. I feel like I know, but I don't know, cry and grieve so openly for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and talk about what Lynn Shelton meant to him was really what I needed to hear just because it, I don't, it just, I, mm. without knowing either of them, I just really was like, this is how I feel too. <laughs> and
1: uh, yeah absolutely same yeah absolutely god i wonder i wonder if we were in a culture where crying didn't have all of the all that baggage attached to it would we cry differently because we would be fighting yeah i
0: think we'd have a lot i think there'd be a, a lot less physical and emotional pain in general if we could just cry <laughs> when we needed to cry um
1: yeah, it wouldn't feel as hard. As oh, absolutely. As I'm sounds. a
0: I'm a very uh, emotional person. Lots of things make me uh cry, happy things, uh beautiful things, things that are deeply sad, things that are only a little bit sad like a commercial. Uh <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> And I have
0: been told a lot of my life by different forces to like tighten up, you know, or like that it's not appropriate or like oh, this God. isn't the time and it's like When is the time, you know, we get the messages that the time is when you're alone, but that's, you know, sometimes sure. But like, oftentimes we need to be comforted. We need to talk things through to be told that you can only experience your truest emotions locked away all by yourself like a fucking pariah Mm. doesn't help anybody through anything. So that's why you learn to not cry, but that shit still manifests physically. That has to go somewhere. It doesn't disappear.
1: Yeah. It's going to make gonna make processing yeah even especially tougher. when it turns
0: into back pain and migraines you know mm. and a limp like oh god there's plenty of scientific evidence now that shows that emotional pain gets lodged in your physical body when you're not dealing with it so yeah which again you know people oh. only take physical pain seriously so That's very interesting that your body is like, okay, well, here's our final push to try to get you to deal with this situation. Maybe (laughs) now they'll listen.
1: (laughs) Oh, sure. But yeah, I just think
0: it's, I thought it was a very brave thing for him to do. I know it's also all he knows to some point because he's, you know, always talking to us. (laughs) He's always sharing with us. But like, I thought it was beautiful. I I loved it. And I would love to hear more men cry. (laughs) like.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I remember that in Tucker and Del Brazil. Yes,
0: ah, oh, perfect to bring it back back. Well, and in today's movie, uh, if one of the reasons I have for liking it is that men are crying in it. <laughs> I love it when men cry. <laughs> Something very specific about me. I'm
1: that's fair. That is very, very fair.
0: Um. Well, yes. So please, thank you for bringing that up, Cozy, because I, I, I did want to encourage people to listen to that episode um, because it. It's not about Mark. So if you don't like Mark Marin, you don't, you know, don't let that stop you from really getting to know Lynn Shelton in a way that you don't get to in any other interviews. Yeah,
1: that's a great call.
0: Thank you. Ah, oh, well, why don't we get into outside in? Yeah. How do we feel about that? So uh, let me, let me give you a synopsis. So this synopsis, uh, largely, uh, is taken from the website that I love called no film school. And, um, I basically kind of rewrote some things that 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 author wrote, and it's called Outside In, Lynn Shelton Reveals How to Create Naturalism on a Carefully Vetted Set. Okay, Outside In stars Jay DuPlas as Chris, a recently released prisoner whose decades long sentence may or may not have been unjust. His guardian angel comes in the form of his middle-aged former high school English teacher Carol, played by Edie Falco. Who took it upon herself to work tirelessly with a criminal, uh, excuse me, with a criminal justice nonprofit to ensure Chris's release? Back in the small, economically depressed town in which he grew up, that's uh, Granite, Granite Falls, Washington. Chris has finally tasted freedom, but the specter of the life he left behind now utterly, irrevocably changed and steeped in a deep in- 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 we? ennui.
1: Ennui.
0: Ennui is not the freedom that he anticipated. As he struggles with the challenges of navigating the modern world as an ex-con, Chris pursues his love for Carol, something that grew while the two of them were in touch for 20 years. Mm. Uh, This is a love that Carol's conflicted about in part because she's married. um, And additionally, her daughter Hildy, who's played by Caitlin Dever, makes matters more complicated when she befriends Chris. Mm. And then uh, Ben Schwartz plays chris's brother who he comes to live with Um. uh, after he's released from prison and who seems to have been involved in the uh liquor store robbery that chris was
1: oh gotcha gotcha
0: uh so you had never heard of this film cozy until this moment
1: that is correct yeah that that synopsis actually doesn't sound like the type of movie i'd be excited about
0: I know. That's why <laughs> I said I really felt like I had my work cut out for me. Yeah, um, interesting. I'm going to tell you why I think you will really love this film okay. and why I think it would be a film that you'd get a lot out of. Hmm. Um, all right, so I first saw it, it came out, um, it premiered at the Toronto Film Festival in 2000, at the end of 2017. And then um, it was at South by Southwest in 2018. And then Orchard Films got it uh, for distribution. And then they worked with Netflix. It, they had like a wide, semi-wide release, like an indie release uh, in like the summer of 2018. And then Netflix got it. And it's been on Netflix ever since. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, so it had a pretty small box office. It was like 65,000. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people didn't have the opportunity to see it. 67,392 wow, this movie is so good. I just, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy to me that it made so little, but hopefully more people are watching it on Netflix. Um, So yeah, I saw it when it first came out and then I haven't watched it again until this morning. And I liked it when I saw it. And then I loved it today. Mm. Like this isn't the movie I usually, because her movies are mostly comedies, So I kind of forgot about this one, but like, I don't know if it's just, I'm in a different time in my life or what, but like this just, this hit me so hard emotionally. I thought it was so honest and beautiful. Um, so unless you have anything else you want to contribute, I'm happy to just get into the five reasons.
1: Go for it. Absolutely.
0: All right, cool. (sighs) Taking a deep breath. Um, Cause I feel like I'm gonna cry every moment of this, <laughs> every moment of this episode, guys. Um, all right, number one, uh, this is a this is a minimalist film. I love minimalist filmmaking. I talked about that when um, I talked about First Cow, and uh, Kelly Reckhart, who's one of my other favorite directors, makes these really. Simple films that include lots of beautiful scenery and people, very honest conversations between a few people at a time. And I just, I, it's not quite a slice of life film, what some people would call a slice of life film, because that always feels like it, it's maybe like has a little more going, like a, a little more happening, like uh, maybe like a bunch of craziness one weekend or something. But this is like, this these just feel like people I know. And I, I love watching movies that take place in a different place. That's not Los Angeles. Cause like so many things are filmed here that when they're not even supposed to be here, right? (laughs) Like it's a stand in for like every other place, but you know, you can watch it and be like, Oh, well, I see that that's the Grove. So that's not a mall (laughs) in Michigan. (laughs) I went there last week to get makeup from Sephora. Um, so that will take me out of films like there's a magic to it it's kind of fun to live in la and recognize things in movies but Mm -hmm. uh, for me it'll take me out of it a little bit so uh lynn films all of her movies in washington where she gets to live where she got to live which i think is so cool it's like my dream to get to make films and make all my money from that but get to live in ohio
1: (laughs) yeah sure
0: uh and so this is filmed in granite falls which if you you know look it up on google is outside of seattle by what looks like an hour and it is like one of those when you're looking at google maps and there's like eight roads you know you like look down you're like oh dang (laughs) (laughs) there's like nothing here yeah So, so much so that you see the character go about their days and it's like you see the same things and it just it reminded me so much of my own hometown um this is like a very working class, um, like, kind of like lower middle class to like solidly middle class, like Edie Falco's character is a teacher, her husband works on cars, they live in like a small rickety old home, mm. like, the, the things that you see are not like what you see in a lot of films, like, it feels like you're you're watching real people, except for that like... These are extraordinary circumstances and people are being so honest with their emotions that, you know, we struggle with that in real life. So it's like you you get the beauty of the real world. And then with the conversations of people who are um, (laughs) technically have been through therapy, even though their characters haven't. Do you know what I mean? Like they're very therapeutic.
1: (laughs) that's an interesting distinction
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and it's something that i really like about all of her films is like this clearly coming from a very emotionally intelligent person Mm. um interesting uh, so
1: i have a question please so this is like a a, is this the type of town where someone robs a liquor store and everybody knows about it and hears about it and sort of forever or is it not that 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 small
0: so I think that's probably true, but actually, one of the things that I really like about this movie that I'll go into—I'll answer your question and go into thing number two. Love it. Um, oh, real quick though, thing number one—I wanted to mention cinematographer Nathan Mills, mm. uh, who I thought did such a great job of finding beauty in ordinary things. Oh, cool. So that—that's like a larger part of number one. Um, so number two, so. We don't really know all the details of his crime, which I like because it's not about that. It's about like this man who's come home and he didn't, cause he didn't, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time is kind of what it seems like happened. Oh,
1: sure. Yeah. It's more about now than about the, than about the event.
0: Yes. That's and, what I
1: love about indie movies.
0: Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's not exposition. Mm. There. Oh, this is my, Okay. Hold on to that. I'm going to get into that in number three. All of these things tie together. But yeah. so this isn't the kind of movie where everybody's like, oh, my God, can you <laughs> believe what Chris did? Right. Uh, and everyone in the town is gossipy because all small towns are gossipy. Like, it's not <laughs> it's not like that. And I really love that because I don't necessarily believe that all small towns are gossipy. I think there are people that are like that. But sure. like, I'm I'm I mean. I'm from a small town in the way that, like, when I go home, I'll always see people I know, even if I don't try to, but yeah. it's a town of 70,000 people, so, mm-hmm. like, it's uh, definitely a town, but at the same time, like, uh, I could run into somebody I went to high school with, and they wouldn't know I lived out here, you know? Oh, it's sure. that People aren't... People... Families gossip. Certain people gossip. I bet if you lived in a town that was smaller than, like, I don't know, 8,000 people, 5,000 people, then maybe everybody knows, but, like... Yeah. This is not about people being shitty to Chris, which I really (laughs) like. Uh, It didn't feel like a shoehorned conflict where it was Mm. like, now he has to go up against uh, the stigma of coming home.
1: Oh, good. Okay, good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there's no like, there's no like, oh, this is awkward. Or like, man, won't they give him a chance? Mm. It's it's none of that. It's really like he's back and everybody's happy to see him and Mm. everyone's really encouraging and his, he was, you know, believed to be in there wrongfully. And so everyone's like, man, you're finally out. And it's more just like him being like, wow, everybody texts now. Everyone, he, he wants to see his friends. He'll show up at his friend's house. But now his friends have kids. Uh, and so sure. they're like, oh, you know, I'm giving the kid a bath. Uh, just text me later. and We'll figure out a time to hang out. And he's like, ah.
1: Like, <laughs> that sounds like me now. Well, actually, I don't even, <laughs> I still don't go to people's houses. That does seem weird. Yeah, it's a good call. But,
0: but Okay, so, like, this is – think about, like, he, you know, got arrested when he was, like, 17, 18 years old. Now he's out and he's 38. Mm
1: -hmm. So think
0: about what you did as an 18-year-old in your hometown. And, like, you don't get any more time to develop in the world. You develop in this one – space that's abusive and rigorous and that if you're an intellectual thoughtful person like this character is you're kind of just trying to survive it then you're shunted back into the world i mean you're kind of an 18 year old still
1: sure that makes sense to me
0: but now he's a 38 year old convicted felon so it's like he has this sort of simple childlike mentality in some ways where he takes a bike everywhere he goes um interesting he has to apply for jobs, but he's never worked before. And he's a felon. So he's like applying at the feed store. He's applying at the local like gas station. He's applying at a diner. And then so, you know, jobs that teenagers work, but then it's even harder for him to get them because he has this like who's gonna hire, you know, he has right. to talk to people about, you know, what he did and be like, yeah, I didn't people see me as a murderer, but I didn't he took the fall for this other person. Um and so it's it's interesting because he, they do a really great job of showing how he is an adult but he still s- has this like childlike mentality about him that's really sweet and like he really just uh i don't know you have to like really watch it this way i can i can only do so much here <laughs> But like he, oh, you're doing a good job. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Yeah. So he, there's this scene that I really, really love that shows the passage of time. I'm just really fascinated by like losing moments of time. Like, what would happen if you couldn't, you know, you were taken out of society and like ten years goes by? Things have been changing so quickly with technology, right? 20 mm-hmm. years to come out and he's like I don't even understand texting it's like of course not you wouldn't in 1998 you know Yeah,
1: and there's, there's no one to really like bring him or like through that or rehabilit- uh, rehabilitate right. so what is what's the right word for that like well,
0: yeah kind of rehabilitate yeah, reintroduce podcast. yeah well, yeah
1: reintegrate reintroduce yeah that sounds more right
0: well that's a great point right it's the only relationship he has is with his high school English teacher played by Edie Falco who has mm-hmm. been his pen pal and this person fighting for him so when he comes out That's the person he wants to be spending all this time with. Sure. But she has a husband and, like, an 18-year-old daughter.
1: Mm -hmm. So it becomes difficult and kind of Mm -hmm. uncomfortable and all that. Yeah. Yeah,
0: but instead of being, like, ooh, awkward, it's like she – her husband hates that she's been spending all this time helping him – Mm But he's not. he is not – she keeps wanting to talk to him about things. He doesn't want to talk to her. He's, like, very emotionally closed off. Mm -hmm. And she found all this power helping him. Like, she felt like she was doing something she was really good at and, like, something where, like, she made a huge difference. And she tries to talk to her husband about that, but he doesn't see it. But Chris does see that. So there's this aspect where, like, yes, of course, Chris is in love with her because it's kind of the only person he's been interacting with. But also she has this – feelings of love towards him because he really sees her
1: yeah that makes sense makes so feel more valued
0: yes yeah exactly so instead of it being like I think in less in, in, in less talented hands this could have been like oh awkward you're in love but she has a family <laughs> right 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 instead it pushes deeper into the emotional core of like what happens when two people really see each other even in odd circumstances and like the longing for us to be seen by other people which is my number my number three um Mm -hmm. is that a reason that i think that you would really like it is that there is so much vulnerability in every single character and Chris coming home really elicits that vulnerability out of his brother played by Ben Schwartz, Edie Falco's, and her daughter, Hilde. Um, and I, the vulnerability is, is so inspiring in it. I think it, it makes you just want to like talk to somebody who's made you feel like a better person or made you feel seen. Hmm. You know what I mean? It, it, it's like, the ways that these characters are able to be like, wow, I understand this person in my life from a different way now is just so like, that's what we want out of the world. You know, we want people to like be able to stop for a second and like, wow, yeah, now I can, now I understand things better because of this interaction I had with somebody. And I think that, that those types of interactions are possible. We just have to be open to them and we have to like slow down and, and just notice what's happening when we're in those moments. <laughs>
1: yeah oh a hundred percent no question it's all perspective shifts but it's really hard to figure out how to how to catalyze those
0: yeah definitely and this is like um this is like a movie of perspective shifts I love it yeah um let's see and then you know with the vulnerability you get to see men cry in this film which is something I wrote here and I think that it's (laughs) very rare to see men struggle in non-traditional ways. Like you would think his character would be so filled with anger and destructive, but you know, that's never, that's not, you don't ever see that. And it's so refreshing yeah. to, to get to see um, men just be sad and be like, you know, there's like one scene where he gets drunk and is kind of, sh- kind of like mean to his brother a little bit. But even mm-hmm. that gives way into his brother realizing that, like, he needs to take responsibility for not visiting him in prison.
1: Interesting. Okay. And like
0: every 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 interaction leads to a deeper emotional pull from the characters. No interaction just feels unnecessary or feels uh, like a device. Huh.
1: Okay. Sounds good.
0: Yeah. Um. Okay, so those were I did. That was one, two, and three. Yeah. Uh.
1: Yeah, that sounds right to me.
0: Um. Well, a four. I'll say that uh, Hildy, the teenage girl played um by Caitlin Driver, is like a anarchaic installation artist where she like breaks into <laughs> homes. Like the Manson family did, and rearranges furniture and turns them into these large art installations. What? And it's very cool. That uh, sounds
1: like that's the biggest draw for me so far. I would say because <laughs> that sounds great.
0: Uh, it's a it's a small part. I mean, it's an important part. It's an important yeah. part of the film that has has reason. Um, but it is a don't you know? Don't get me wrong. It's not the whole part, but I I love it. I think it's really creative, and I really love her work and whoever's idea that was to write that in and whoever they got to like really make what they wrote come out visually, it very well done. I don't yeah, know if that's like, like the like, art department or like, what.
1: Oh, it sounds like it's almost outside of, outside of the entire plot that I've heard so far, but very interesting.
0: Huh, uh, cool. Well, because the friendship that Hilde and Chris develop, he, hmm. she keeps all this stuff to herself. Nobody sees it. It's something she does secretly And when she starts being friends with Chris and they start hanging out because he's essentially like a teenager. Oh,
1: sure. So
0: like they they sort of are able to, Hildy's been very closed off and she's able to kind of be herself around him in a way that she hasn't been able to before. What I like is there's never any real romance between them. Like she wants to hang out with him, but Mm -hmm. there's like times where like she tries to like lay down next to him, but like it never turns into like a,
1: thing yes
0: exactly there's never like a i kissed her and i shouldn't have like a bojack moment oh, yeah. potentially oh
1: god i haven't seen that yet still but yeah um, oh
0: uh well you can imagine <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah I, For, it does sound like a situation where things should definitely be avoided yeah so, things are avoided yeah so
0: there's no cringy like weird sex stuff in it but like yeah. you're able to see her art because of the friendship that like she develops with Chris right. and, and she's able to like, uh, I don't know, understand like criminal justice in a way that I feel like a lot <laughs> of teenagers aren't able to, and like how fucked it is. Um, sure. which then well, I'll adults just
1: don't even understand. that. <laughs> no,
0: exactly. So then I'll, I'll have my fifth one be a serious one, which is that I am, uh, I'm against incarceration. I'm against car- carceral culture of america yeah. in general um and i'm extremely interested and supportive of um you know rehabilitation uh programs and opportunities and counseling and industries that support people who have been convicted um hmm. like homeboy industries are you familiar with them they like no They're like, I can't get into it because I didn't look it up ahead of time, but they're like this company of people who uh, were in gangs or like were in jail for being in gangs. And now they like bake bread and they like, I go to a deli in Pasadena that like all of their bread comes from homeboy industries. And so they, yeah, it's like a a program for people who like can't get work elsewhere and there need to be programs like that because this uh, movie underscores how difficult it is for people when they get out of prison whether they were guilty or not um you know once people if they have to be in prison once they get out they're done you know
1: yeah and like they deserve
0: to like reintegrate into society but that and people act like that's what happens but it's not what happens that's so oftentimes why crimes are then committed again Um, right sure and so i think that this is like a really um beautiful and interesting and important story to like really look at somebody's life uh, and sort of see people as people instead of like see people who have gone to prison as criminals or uh, evil people or bad people. Uh, We don't exist in a, in a society of binary good and bad. We Mm
1: -hmm. exist
0: in a lot of gray and this movie does like a really wonderful job of showing you what that gray really looks like. And, I think that if you people haven't thought about you know incarceration and the ways in which it's unethical and the ways in which it breeds more um, abuse and um, uh, you know more basically just like harm in our society, like I think this is a great jumping off point. This movie uh, and and another thing I want to say about it is a uh, this movie. If you watch a trailer, it looks sad. And there are, there are sad moments in this movie, for sure. It's about something that's tragic that happened. But it's a movie that's so hopeful and is so, like, life-giving and not in a cheesy way at all. In, like, a – in the way that I was saying that if you can connect emotionally and, like, t- talk with people and, and be present for people and, and give chances to people that maybe, you know, you're not sure if maybe you don't want to or maybe it's scary, like, there – it just shows like how a little bit of intimate connection with each other can really turn our lives around. Um, And the movie is just such a beautiful, hopeful, lovely ending that feels so earned and so honest and, Mm -hmm. and not manipulative and not like overly um, sentimental or uh, treacle at all. And there are moments of levity and comedy in it as well. (laughs) always Uh, a
1: good thing it's so important for for indies like that
0: yeah um, yeah
1: like that natural comedy but not be overtaken by it
0: yes (laughs) and ben schwartz definitely brings it he and his i don't know if it's like a girlfriend or like a girl who hangs out at their house a lot is very (laughs) funny and silly and just like it just reminded me so much of like going home and like what it's like to be in like a, a economically kind of depressed town and the kinds of people that still live there and like the people who are working really hard to bring community to that town and people who have kind of been sucked down by the town and people who are just sort of existing and flowing along with it not really questioning things uh, so mm. for people who are from any places like that all my Rust Belt peeps I think they'll appreciate uh-huh. even though this is you know the Pacific Northwest I never really realized until I started going to the Pacific Northwest the last few years how similar it is to the Rust Belt But visually, a lot of similar, a lot of similarities. Except for they get mountains and trees, which we don't really get in Cleveland and Pittsburgh and Detroit.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's a bummer. Trees are great. I I love trees. My hometown. I don't really like mountains (laughs) though.
0: Really, I like a good mountain. I'm
1: very, very anti mountain. Anti mountain. uh, Coming from Arizona, where all we had were mountains and no trees, fuck mountains. Oh. And I love trees. That's right. I'll take that hot take. Wow. That's the all right. Well, at
0: Cozy, <laughs> if you're mad at him about it, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> okay. There is one last thing I do want to say about this movie. And this happens to me every fucking time. I'll be in the middle and I'm like, I guess these are it. Real quick, though, <laughs> I do want to say we don't get a lot of stories about women in their 50s and Edie Falcons. Edie Falco's character Carol is in her 50s and it is about her kind of coming into her own and figuring out what she likes in her life and what she wants in her life and like oh, okay. it's amazing that a story that that story gets to coexist with this with Chris's story of coming home and trying to figure out his life post-incarceration and then Hilde's story of like figuring out that like what she creates happens you know, that it means something and that she can share it with people. And like, there's like these three huge stories about people figuring out their lives and they're woven together so beautifully and like so poignantly. Um, um, But I I really love that we get to watch a movie about a woman in her fifties who's figuring out like what really makes her happy in life and what she wants to do. And it really goes along with what we were talking about earlier, discovering you know, Lynn discovering that she can make a film in her late 30s and us, you know, talking mm. about how it's never too late to like figure out what you want to do and to do what you want to do. And it's great that this character was able to be like, you know what, I want to work in criminal justice reform in Seattle. I want to leave my like one horse town and like move to the city because I am able to now. And like, mm. that's that's cool. Like we don't see stories like that.
1: I wonder if part of the reason why there aren't a lot of stories about women in their fifties is because male execs in their fifties are afraid of their wives realizing that their lives are not <laughs> as good as they want them to be and that they're going to leave them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're like, don't give Rebecca any ideas.
1: Yeah, I know. Right. It's all that fear bullshit. Yeah, definitely. yeah there's probably at least a little in there. Oh, and
0: yeah. And I think that those, those men all want to see young hot babes and like, Yeah,
1: that's the like the big side of that coin. Yeah, like
0: don't see women as like full people. And I think a lot of those guys don't realize that their lives are. I think in general, a lot of people who have been in charge are deeply sick and are not emotionally like fulfilled or in touch. And like, therefore, they're not searching out, you know, those types of stories. And they're not and, you know, they don't think film is art as much as they think it's money. So. yeah
1: it's all commerce and bullshit yeah, yeah no question it's all, it's all demographic those
0: things
1: <laughs> Ugh, so gross so sad glad to be on the right side of art yeah we're doing it
0: <laughs> we're the heroes of this story yeah
1: we're the we're the poor heroes of this story yeah. of art
0: <laughs> of all of art um <laughs> so cozy are you convinced will you watch this
1: there are several things in this that make me very much uh, want to check it out. And there are a couple of things that make me less excited, but I feel like even those things are... It sounds like they're handled in a way I would like them. So, yeah, I'm down to see this movie.
0: Oh, my God, I did it.
1: <sighs> yeah, I feel, like, I feel like I should absolutely see something from her because it sounds like she's very good at what she... She, she was great at what she did, um, uh, especially you know, doing stuff with Duplass folks, because I always love stuff that they do. Mm-hmm. You know, that feels like a, it feels like one of the many good co of this. Yes. Um, well, uh, but the, I think what clinched it for me is the, the daughter doing archaic art furniture installations. That sounds like fucking great. It's
0: <laughs> so cool. It's one of those things that you're like, man, I wish I would have thought of that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I feel like I see those in, uh, like, cool indies every so often where you're like, what a concept. What a great fucking concept. This
0: is a classic American indie idea. Like, this is, <laughs> this is the only moment in the film that feels very much like you're watching an indie movie, I will say. That's so funny. But I like it. I don't think it's trite. I think that it's so grounded mm. that it's that it's a fun character detail, and I think you'll like it a lot. Uh, yeah
1: i'm a sucker for good for character details that are like out of uh, out of left field a little yeah
0: bit. uh and there are a lot you get to see carol at work and the teachers that she sort of gossips with like that's a fun little world uh oh
1: i like that yeah that sounds cool too i yeah, see
0: hildy at work at this like gas station diner and like that's a fun little world they're just like everywhere oh, that Sounds great yeah, yeah, yeah everywhere like you travel around this little town is just so like That's what I just loved about the cinematographer so much, um, Nathan Mills. He just, all these worlds in this small town, it's just like reminding me of what's so, I don't know, there's so much beauty in the ordinary.
1: Mm, Those paint good mental pictures for me. Oh, good. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I'm so happy because I knew going in that this would be a little bit of a challenge because (laughs) it's not a straight, it's not a comedy. It's definitely a drama, but like it is I don't know. Sometimes I think of like people hear drama and they think like the English patient or like whatever boring ass movies we grew up with, you know?
1: I feel like a lot of the times, yeah, I do end up not seeing a lot of dramas because I'm just like, ah, that sounds so like straightforward and serious. Yes. And really focused heavy. on things I've, I've heard about so many times before, not even like heavy. Cause it's weird. Like I like heavy. I just like the kind of heavy that feels honest instead of relying on, architectures i've seen yeah. parodied so many big times. big
0: swells of music
1: <laughs> yeah where everyone's taking themselves so fucking seriously mm-hmm. it's okay to have emotions without taking yourself seriously i feel like that's where it is Vulner. taking yourself seriously is almost antithetical to vulnerability mm. and that's what feels like it's missing from a lot of
0: drama yes
1: there's no vulnerability
0: yes yes exactly so it rings hollow you're like I yeah
1: that's to me is it
0: yeah you're just sort of being manipulated by writing and music cues
1: yeah oh that's good that I feel like I got some more insight into why I don't like dramas. yeah well
0: <laughs> and again that's what I think is so special about this movie is it doesn't have any of that you they're 100% yeah. like real people they just talk better than all the real people we know
1: <laughs> yeah oh my god I I loved how um in uh in Lynn's interview she did uh, do a name check on Dog ninety five yes. and I was like hey. I noticed that too
0: <laughs> I thought of you and I'm like yes
1: Yes, same <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was great I was like oh she did that type of stuff oh that's cool she paired stuff down nice yeah we
0: talked about that on our um was it is our dog Tooth episode
1: yeah, yeah. I, that was one I was considering checking out next uh, out of your list of ones because oh, I was like. Dog Tooth, messed up, very interested. We'll see. Okay,
0: good. I, I can't <laughs> wait to hear when you get to it. Um, well, did you watch anything else this week or do you have any other recommendations for things people should check out? I do,
1: I do have a recommendation, absolutely. Uh, I feel like I've been doing a lot of punk recommendations for the last several, several episodes. So <laughs> yeah. I want to try and stay away from those, give it a little bit of a breather. Um, my recommendation is... Also going to probably turn into a plug. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, my recommendation is um, very specifically towards the uh, the live comedy community, and that is to try out online online comedy and don't let fear of the unknown beat you. <laughs> because for everybody who is not in LA and everybody who's not uh, part of the online comedy community, they probably don't really know the landscape and what I've seen is that a huge amount of my friends, everybody in the community is afraid to try online comedy. But the way that they express that is, I don't know, that doesn't sound interesting or great. It sounds like it's not the same. (laughs) And all I hear is fear. And the second you dip your toe into that pool, you're going to feel relaxed and better and comforted. Mm
0: -hmm. Totally. And what's neat about this now, too, is that like if you're not in L.A., in the L.A. comedy scene, you can be a part of L.A. comedy shows because now we're all on equal footing. So this is for, you know, comedians all over the country. This is a way for us to all be on each other's shows.
1: Yeah, it's an exciting opportunity. And a lot of people I know, the overwhelming majority are just like, almost all my improv teams were immediately like, I don't know. And then I was just like, well, I have the desire, but no one around me to do it. Uh but I recently tried it out and it made me feel really great. Oh,
0: that's terrific. So
1: Yeah, thank you. And um that's gonna turn into a plug for uh, my one of my I should have looked this up. Um okay, so one of my improv teams, the one that is still open to doing things right now, thank God. <laughs> uh which is a shock to me, and even even they're taking a little bit of nudging. Um We got into uh, an improv festival called the Anywhere Improv Festival, which is, yeah, I'm so excited uh, for it, Um, and it's going to be on the 30th and 31st. I don't know which date or time we have yet, so I can't do a full good plug, Um, but we'll know hopefully soon on the Anywhere Improv uh, Festival website. You can probably find that information out.
0: And what's the name of your Um, team that's going to do it? uh,
1: my team is called Dub Set, and we're a team that usually does stuff at the Pack Theater where we do an all-dubbing improv set where we do each other's voices the entire show. It's so
0: fun. So yeah, look for so Dub Set at the Anywhere Improv Fest uh, May 30th or May 31st. And uh, Thank you. that's awesome, Cozy. It's so exciting to get into a festival and to have that going on right now.
1: Yeah, it really feels like the boost that we kind of needed. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so excited to try that stuff out. And also, I see your cat in the background of our Google Hangouts right now, and that is so adorable. Yeah, she's like
0: looking up. She's like, who is that face? (laughs) So cute. Hi. Oh, my God. I'm waving to a cat. What a feeling. Um,
1: Lucy, what have you been watching? Uh, (laughs) Well, now
0: that I work at the Video Tech in uh, South Pasadena, I have been watching like three movies, three to four movies a day, every day. Um, So I have a lot to recommend, and I'm just trying to hone in on one uh, which is uh this really cool documentary i watched this week called maiden which is about this the first women's team to sail around the world oh, cool. yeah i it happened in the 80s and it came out this movie came out at the end of last year but it like just recently got released on a dVd and blu-ray and um i'm not actually sure if it's i'm sure it's streaming somewhere i can I'll double check and we'll put all of our recommendations in the show notes as well. Um, but it's really good. It, it has all of the women from the original team as talking heads. Uh, and then they also has a ton of footage from the time since it was just the 80s. Um, there's like a lot of original footage. And I am not somebody who's interested in sailing at all. And when I walked into work sure. and that movie was on, I was like, oh, God, here we go. Two hours of sailing.
1: It's very much like a rich people culture. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's in
0: 1989, Tracy Edwards leads the first all-female crew in the Whitbread Round the World Race, a grueling yachting competition that covers 33 miles (laughs) the last nine months.
1: (laughs) I died while yachting. Yeah, well, evidently
0: that happens. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so terrible. Um, oh my but God. I loved it so much because a lot of it was about like the uh, sexism that the women were up against. and um, right. so much so because of the reporters at the time talking about how like women couldn't and shouldn't be sailing and how this was like a men's sport only. There were good no God. women doing That's it. So and what's interesting is some of the reporters from that time are in the documentary having to kind of talk about uh. <laughs> their role in perpetuating the misogyny around these women so yeah it's really interesting and um, I loved it it's so well done that it got me someone who is not interested in sailing in the least uh, by, by the end I was just like Ah, like i was just like cheering them on like jumping like i was so psyched so if you're into sports documentaries at all it's definitely one of the best sports documentaries but if you don't even give a shit about that it is such a compelling fast-paced fascinating documentary about something i had no idea even happened uh so definitely recommend it it's on uh like hulu and stars and amazon right now and you can get it on dvd and blu-ray or you can come to nice. Video Tech and rent it from me personally. Well, there's
1: a good plug right the there in the Los Angeles
0: area. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at this point, we're gonna thank you all for listening. Uh, if you have seen. Um, Outside In or any of Lynn Shelton's movies, let us know. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Need to See Pod, and you can join our Facebook group and like our Facebook page. Uh, on our Facebook group, we discuss all the films, so please come there to have chats with us if you like. Uh, and then you can get me specifically on Twitter and Instagram at LTB Comedy. You can find Cozy on our Facebook group and our Facebook page. And that's right uh, And then please a small thing that you can do for us during this time is to rate review, subscribe on Apple iTunes uh, really helps us a lot. boosts our ratings so that people will find us otherwise we kind of get lost in the shuffle um, and let us know we want to know what you guys if you're enjoying the podcast if there's something you want to see, something you want to hear, something you want to touch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let us know. And so, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to our sound engineer Pete Burns, who makes us sound pretty every week, despite us being in separate places. Thank you,
1: Pete. Thank you, Pete.
0: Uh, And yes, thank you for listening to. You need to see this.
1: You can only see this. No other. Do samples. not touch. Do not <laughs>
0: smell it. Only Don't do not podcast. taste this podcast. No, put Stop. it down.
1: <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.